Welcome to The Unexceptionals, a podcast obsessed with everyday people. Like me, Anita Mube. And me, Kira Jack. Giving unheard voices a chance to speak on the mic. Whose story would you like to hear? Makes me want to cry. <laughs> it's harrowing. Oh, well, I, I'm upset. <laughs> Deeply. <laughs> but the last thing that we're going to talk, talk about, and we'll try and keep it as short as we possibly can, um, is uh, another one that happened in June. So it's from the BBC again. They all came from the BBC. The BBC came for me. Um, the article is a Churchill statue has been entombed and the future of the two metre rule. But we're going to focus on Churchill statue being entombed, really, because that is kind of surrounding uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, which picked up again or came into light again after the 25th of, 20, 25th of May, wasn't it? Mm. It was when George Floyd um, was murdered uh, by uh, in Minneapolis by a policeman. And since that video then went viral and people saw what happened, the Black Lives Matters hashtag has surfaced. People have been talking about it for a little while. And the reason why we kind of mentioned this, because it, it will relate to how Churchill's statue has now been entombed. There's been a lot of discussion on social media. There's been a lot of protests across the States, but also here in the UK, because um, race issues do still exist here. A lot of people think that we are not necessarily we're innocent but we're not and we've uh, there's been a lot of protests as well across the country to name a few of the big ones because it's relevant to this article's bristol isn't it because bristol was had one of the statues yep. that was taken down and dumped into a river <laughs> i want to say yep. amazing yeah i never thought the epicenter of upward movement in progressive politics in would be in fucking bristol right? on, bristol <laughs> ah roy let's get a slave owner in the river dump this old bad boy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they sound like a farmer. I'm so sorry, Bristol. I think I've offended every single one of you. Um, but yeah, so this happened and also a number of other statues across the UK have kind of been vandalised or beheaded. Um, and these haven't been random statues. They're historical fig- figures who have been involved in some point in time um, uh, in some form of racism. Um, either with slave traders, slave owners, or, you know, Ed Churchill was entombed because of his kind of views on things. Um, and so as a result of these Black Lives Matter protests that happened over the space of two weekends, I want to say, there were a few um, in London that happened over two weekends, there was a kind of counter-protest by the EDL. Now, Kira, do you want to tell who people who the EDL um, are? Now, I made a very flippant remark about how everyone Absolute in the EDL was thick. Bags. And I'm not necessarily backtracking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I have bigger <laughs> sort of suspicions on why people join the EDL. And I won't go into it. But basically, I think it's bad education and exposure. And I think there's also just... It's just... I think these people have other buried issues. Like... So there was, this is such a tangent, by the way, mm-hmm. but the uh, for American listeners or or um, other country listeners who don't know who the EDL are, they're English Defence mm-hmm. League and they believe in a white Britain. Yeah. I'm sure they would argue it's more nuanced than that, but it fucking <laughs> isn't. So... They're largely Islamophobic, <laughs> right. I think. I think they're like kind of main gripe. Yeah. It's, it's kind of around there, but yeah, in general, it's kind of yeah. like a white Britain, Do you know what the, English the thing culture. The I don't get right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, 
their biggest thing that they get really bent out of shape about is when you go to like a fish and chip shop and it says uh stuff in here is halal mm-hmm. and they get really upset about that it's like just eat the fucking bat and fuck <laughs> off like what, what difference does it make to you yeah, <laughs> right it's like anyway i said so in america i read it was one of the bbc long reads mm-hmm. and it was a woman who used to be a white supremacist right. she was in the modern day kkk mm-hmm. right and she got locked up for it because KKK are criminals. Yeah. And um, her cellmate was a woman of colour. Mm-hmm. And what transpired was that this woman was uh, gay this, yeah. and also really fancied her mate. So she actually wasn't opposed to being like sexually attracted to women of colour at all either. But these feelings were so repressed yeah. that she it came across... Expre- it was just being articulated through being a white supremacist. So I think people in the EDL have issues like that is what I'm saying. I think they have all sorts of weird repressed shit going on. Yeah. But they're also stupid and I hate them. <laughs> so-, <laughs> so they're not actually... And also just to clarify, they're not really... They're not like a political party or anything. It's just like a group of people. It's like a movement, they're an ideology that they want to try yeah. and like pressure the government to take into account or... Mm. Um, and they normally do this through organised marches. We were briefly talking about like an, an EDL march that happened in Norwich like some years ago. And actually, I completely yep. forgot about this. But I was in the main shopping centre in in Norwich mm. before the EDL march was going to happen, like an hour or so before. And mm. I was with my friend um, who went to uni. She's black as well, but she's like visibly Muslim because she wears a hijab, right? Mm. Um, and we were in the shopping centre and I think I was trying something on or we were like looking around and this this um, this black security guy like comes up to us and he's like, I think you guys should probably go home because um, the march is going to be happening soon. And we we're like, oh, yeah, it's like in an hour or so. And he's like, no, you should probably you should probably go home now. Like wow. in a sense of kind of like people will be making their way over and you kind of probably don't want that sort of attention. It's, yeah. So I remember there was a march that happened in Norwich. I can't remember what that was for or what that was around. Yeah, I'm trying to, because I went home to Essex, because hmm. what I saw the EDL, and the thing is they travelled for it as well, yeah. um, like they all got off the train, mm-hmm. and I saw them all, and they're basically, we were saying earlier, they're like people, you see them on a night out, they're just looking for a fight. <laughs> yeah. And this is why I think that there's other stuff underlying there. I think these people are getting out sources of aggression from other shit, but like, they're just... The energy of them was we're looking to start yeah. fights. It wasn't. There's no profound reasoning yeah. behind their problem. And I, like, yeah, and this was like totally like the type of energy that they took towards the weekend that we've just had, the Saturday we've just had, which mm. was the. I'm just gonna check just so people can look by X. The Saturday, the 13th of June, there was mm. an organised um, EDL march in London, and the. The kind of purpose that they were stating they were there for was to protect the statues because obviously the previous week, two weeks, there'd been some damages to statues uh, through the Black Lives Matter marches. And when they turned up, turns out the policemen were already there to do the protecting. And there was due to be another Black Lives Matter march that Saturday, but that got cancelled. And so they were there to have a fight, but no one to have a fight with. (laughs) And now no statues to protect. So they started having oh, a fight. Yeah. <laughs> they started having it with the policeman. That's it. Doesn't that just say it all, though? Yeah. They were just looking for a fucking punch up. Yeah. And the reason was racism, but they had it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And like on that Saturday, I'd kind of forgotten that this whole march was happening. I got myself into a right state. Um, mm. But I forgot the march was happening. 
and then I was reminded by it because it was trending on Twitter. So I was like, oh, let's see what's mm. happening with the ADL March. Let's see what's going on. And as you said, my God, Twitter is both humbling. I was about to ask, but really <laughs> humbling. <laughs> really infuriating at the same time. I'll tell you why tw- I find Twitter humbling. Because the algorithm <laughs> is better. Like you see shit you probably don't want to see on Twitter. You'll see people saying stuff that you're like, wow, right? How many times have you come across doing it on Instagram? Like, honestly. Yeah, it's like when I was, I remember watching this YouTuber called Jackie Ina mm-hmm. and she was reading YouTube comments she gets. Mm-hmm. And that was like an, I, that made me realise how algorithms sift out all the people who don't agree with yeah. you. Because you, like, that was like, that was like a culture shock. Yeah. People say shit like that. I was like, oh. Yeah. And I think we like so Instagram's great for like yeah like minded people, but I go on Twitter to realise that no one wants you here, and that's a really bitter pill to swallow. <laughs> no, oh my god, no, it's, it was you know it was honestly because I was reading these comments and I was like my god, you really do forget that people don't want equality. I don't get it. Um, and it was really upsetting, actually. I got myself into a right state. I was so, like, angry with people, especially because, like, I felt like, you know, the Black Lives Matter protest was cancelled on the Saturday and it felt like it was somehow, like, why did this protest that was all that's all about equality and love and understanding one another, mm. that had to be shut down because a bunch of racists turned up and they wanted to have a yeah. fight. And it was down to, like, us to de-escalate the situation. Like, we had to back back to be like... I don't want this altercation to happen. So I'm going to step back from it. And it was like, and then, yeah, you, and probably the worst thing that I think I remember reading was like, um, uh, it was people comparing the damages and stuff that had been done over a whole load of Black Lives Matter protests over the country over a period of time to this mm. one event that was happening to London, like happening in London. Every time it'd be like, mm. oh, the, because I had a friend who went to the Black Lives Matter protests in London and nothing happened. Like during the main mm. protest that ran one till six, nothing happened. People were yeah. at the meeting point, people talked, people knelt for George, people were just like having conversation. Mm. At 6pm, someone on the megaphone told everyone to go home. People started mm. dispersing to go home. My friend went home. And what happened was that there were a few people who straggled, who didn't want to go home. And that's yeah. when the policemen came on the horses and to yeah. try and get people to move off where they'd met because it was outside the parliament building. So like the people came, came the policemen came with the horses. Someone spooked mm. the horse. I believe it was intentionally to like, I think the people who'd struggled had kind mm. of had their own intentions. And then like, then the photographers were there to take all the pictures of like what happened in those like last few moments after the protests had finished. And then used yeah. it to paint that the whole protest had been like that. Yeah, I saw that. It was pretty yeah. disgustingly done. It was like, it was a weird, like, which editor signed that off is what I always wonder with stuff like that. Because I know with like newsrooms, sometimes you don't have a lot of, there's a whole big issue with editorial stuff being signed off and stuff because budget cuts and stuff. But like somebody had to yeah. click post on that. Yeah. Did they not have the full information? Why didn't they have the full information? Is there something more yeah. endemic and racist? And the thing is, about... they could have had all the full information in the article. But let's be honest, who's, look- who's, who's reading it? People are seeing those photos and being like, oh, someone's pushing a mm. bike 
into this horse. The Black Lives Matter protests yeah. was they were violent, you know. And mm. um but yeah, and then obviously this EDL protest, you're seeing people like hitting policemen and when I remember I commented, I got involved. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> this didn't happen in the Black Lives Matter process. Like, none of this stuff happened last week. And then everyone's like, hmm. yeah, but 62 policemen got injured. So they, they all injured themselves. And I'm like, you're talking about protests that happened across the whole country. Yeah. And you're comparing, and, and you're saying that, like, like for some, uh, and I'm saying compare the London one and this London one. They're, they're vastly different. And they're saying, well, mm. actually, your whole movement's been really, like, it's done all of this. Like, it's been mm. really violent. It's been this. It's been damaging. It's been vandalising. Blah, blah. I was like, no, don't compare the whole thing. We're talking about these two separate processes. You can't compare them. And it, it felt like it was kind of trying to find an excuse to get the EDL protesters off for doing what they did. And it's like, well, yeah. no. Like, this is one protest they've held and they've been littering they assaulted the police. They had to use like gas canisters and stuff. And somehow, every single protest that we've had, like they're not like they're not as bad. Like that one protest that they had, which was really bad, we're still somehow worse. Yeah, it doesn't. In a way, like I'm not entirely shocked that that's how it was covered. Like I remember watching, you know, those kind of. It's like those get your money back programs. Like the the Daily Mail readers fucking love them. It was one about the Met Police, mm-hmm. and like fair enough, police institutions are interesting. The <laughs> you know fun. the constabulary yeah. are an interesting force. Cool. I understand why you'd want to know how people climb the ranks. And one of the episodes was Notting Hill Carnival. Right. Yeah. And the way it was, the narrative arc was built for that whole episode. I thought was appalling because it all it focused on was knife crime yeah. it basically said the police were you know having to watch and look out and so like, oh we've got this many knives off the street today that's prevented this amount of stuff but at no point did they really show that notting hill carnival is a celebration of culture yeah. people have an amazing time yeah uh, it's about you know food celebration that was never shown mm-hmm. on it and i was like well if this is the lens that people have been seeing for the last however many years then like how like somebody has to like change mm-hmm. that and you would hope that these protests and online discussions would yeah. make that change but i don't know the amount of people i've spoken to when i remember i was in norfolk and they'd be like oh, man i don't want to go to london it's all like crime isn't it and you're like london's a big place yeah <laughs> it's a big place there's more people so yeah it's gonna look like there's gonna be more crime and also it's not like everyone's That's... going about stabbing each other <laughs> or That's you a know massive or like... thing in Norfolk, and I've heard yeah. it so many times as, oh, yeah. I couldn't live in London, no. might get stabbed. Yeah, and you're just like, um... <laughs> Probably not. Couldn't live in Norfolk because my bike <laughs> might get nicked. There's crime everywhere, okay? <laughs> you're going to do goat cow tipping. <laughs> you're going to go... Yeah, going to go fly tip, you bag of dicks. Um, reference to an earlier episode, <laughs> do recommend it with Matty. <laughs> <laughs> but no like it was it was really frustrating because like after reading all this stuff it was like i don't get how you're still trying to excuse this behavior like assaulting police and stuff and what for for a racist party for a party that like wants to protect british culture whatever that is or like it doesn't mean anything anymore like, well, I, f- <laughs> do you, I feel like it's a bit of a fantasy 
whenever is, you yeah. know it's like i feel like people have been sold this idea of, of like britishness whatever that looks like and they want to try and protect something that they never really had because like most of these people who've been born into like uh, a generation where they're eating curries and mm. they go out for karaoke and they do all these things mm. that aren't british things they've all come from other mm. cultures so i don't really understand it's it's i was thinking about this the other day is how far have we realistically come in some ways like Apparently in the 80s and 90s, a spag bowl was still occasionally referred to as foreign muck. Really? Whereas now it wouldn't. Yeah. People now get a bit funny about other cuisines they're not familiar with. Like you'll get someone who's like, oh, I won't try sushi mm. or I won't try Korean food. So it changed the generations. The word foreign muck is not really used, I don't think. But again, mm. I get algorithms of people who agree with yeah. me. So I don't know. Um, but then you think back like, so just a few like cultural reference points in the 90s or early 2000s, 99 problems, but the bitch ain't yeah. one. It features an exchange with a police officer yeah. who's pulled him over for being black. Mm-hmm. And then in the 70s, apparently racism was much more open. Was, uh, yeah. Like it wasn't underground. It was, and stuff, didn't you? Where... Mm-hmm. It was two people's face. Mm-hmm. So maybe we've progressed from that. But then you had like the Brixton yeah. riots in the 80s because people were being treated yeah. like shit. And look in America, you have the American equivalent of the Brixton mm-hmm. riots now. So have we? I don't know, further? really. I feel like I don't think change necessarily means. I feel like what happened is that people just don't talk about it. Like any opinions yeah, that you maybe. have kind of stay behind closed doors now, but the opinions are still there. Mm. So. Because because you go on Twitter and you see what you see and you're like, well, okay, well, <laughs> people are still trash. Um, so see, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't gone on Twitter on that day. Oh, I did. It was very upsetting. I got myself. Yeah, it was it was not great because like I kind of like I just didn't understand what was I I didn't understand like why they were being defended so much because what exactly are they protesting for and like it's like the worst feeling when you kind of look at look at things and you're like my god you're not wanted like like when when you feel like people like a whole group of people don't want you there Mm. over something you have no control over which is your skin Mm. or your religion or whatever and you're just kind of like ooh, it's it's really horrible like feeling to like come across and be like okay i'm not wanted here great (laughs) what i wonder is would they say that to your face is have we just had like you said is it a shift now of it's said online not to people's faces so would they have the balls to come up to you and say that to your face or would they no consider it impolite no but i think the big problem as well is kind of you know and i hate using the term because it sounds like a fad but like microaggressions it's all the stuff that people do and imply that is i think that's what people mostly Mm. do now yeah, because it builds up. It still builds up to the same feeling yeah, that sure. you must get, which is, oh, okay, you think this certain way about me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so that is so that happened, and that's why Churchill's statue was entombed in London because it was to be protected from um, from any more kind of like damages uh, that happened. I mean, what do you? This is going to be controversial, but what do you think about what happened with the statues? Like the one that got dumped in the yeeted into the river. I can't imagine. Yeet! Can you imagine? One person just picks it up and goes, "Wee!" Things like did it by the armpits. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. I, I like it. I mm. like that they did that. I 
but so again maybe I feel so defeated now that I I know I'd always knew that there was racists and cunts out there but now I know I feel like I'm not going to say anything that would convince them however I saw a really good thing on Instagram because obviously the the algorithm will show me things that I agree with and it was if someone was responsible for the actions that had your daughter and family taken away from you and enslaved, where would you want their statue put? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a really good way of putting it to create empathy. Because I think there's a weird lack of empathy, mm-hmm. which I find the most like sinister and haunting thing about racism is the lack of empathy, mm-hmm. which I, there's something about the language and the way that the lens that, it's been like I said that that program about the Met Police where yeah, Notting Hill yeah. there was nothing mentioned yeah. about why Notting Hill Carnival and, happens. I'm sure they did yeah. in the, the the small print in the commentary. Mm-hmm. But if you've constantly grown up seeing people as other mm-hmm. who are not from where you're mm-hmm. from, then does that actually take away some of your fundamental empathy yeah. as a human being? And then that to me is what's most sinister about it. And even if you don't agree with the statues being pulled down. Surely you can understand why. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the thing that I get most frustrated about is people who are deliberately or seemingly deliberately putting their understanding on hold mm-hmm. or their empathy on hold. Because they're upset a statue got destroyed. And that's what's yeah, the most it's... frustrating thing about this. It's like, part of, I, I'm the same where I'm like, it's a statue, like, I don't really care. Like, it can get made again, mm-hmm. let's be honest, guys. Do mm-hmm. I think that they need to all be taken down and never be there? No, because it's your history. And I think that mm. people should be comfortable. Because I, I I feel personally people should talk about it. And Yeah, it's why did this happen in the first yeah, place? We need to talk if, you, about. if you take away the figureheads that were involved in both the good and bad parts of your history, you're, you're further perpetuating the problem. You're not talking about it anymore because it's not there. So I do think that those statues need to eventually go back. But there needs to be more information on them, including when um, Sir Francis Drake landed... How many people was he responsible for killing once he got there? You know, all these sorts of things mm. should be not just like his date, yeah, all the good things he did. It should be mm. that kind of information where people can understand the results mm. of the person's actions that might have led to glory or whatever, but what that meant for like the people that they like um, interacted with. Because I don't yeah. feel like that. Like for me, I'm like, you need to talk about it. It's, it's history. It happened. Like, I don't see the point in trying to hide it. Because it's there, it happened. <laughs> like, yeah. So it needs to be more of a discussion. But yeah, I do totally um, agree that there is definitely like this. Yeah, it's just very difficult because I can never understand. I can never, I can never not understand racism because I've experienced it. I can never because I, I, mm. I, I've spoken to people who are like, oh my God, I can't believe that stuff happened. Well, these are things you have to think about. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. I have to think I can't pop off and get really angry because, like, someone will be like, "Oh my god, angry black woman!" Oh my god, like, Ugh. you know, I ha- yeah, the the things like I I can never not think about because I've been put in a position where I have to think about it. But there's some people who just don't get it because they've never had to think about it. Mm. There's not many arenas where we can have level-headed chats either. Right, yeah. Like the other day, we were making a joke about the Jeremy Vine show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he was like, well, I believe that, you know, this once beautiful country was home to medieval churches and 
dr- eating pottage <laughs> for dinner. Like it's like there's it's call-in shows where they're not really challenged. No. And then or it's that kind of because everyone gradually kind of came to the conclusion hopefully that Jeremy Kyle was a really kind of classist yeah bear baity show but all discussion shows that I've seen really are kind of bear baity yeah. they're not they are for a certain they're viewpoint not to support your viewpoint isn't it yeah no one's really challenged yeah. on them it's just bickering and I think we've got that and the mix of the media kind of you know, the Murdoch Empire runs a lot of our media now yeah. and the BBC is so impartial to the point that they're not even, in my opinion, really doing their job. But I think they're also afraid that the Tories are going to cut their funding. So you've got this real kind of dross. There's just slew of... Shit. Just... <laughs> Shit. Yeah. It's no wonder that where everyone feels unsatisfied. Like there's no justice mm-hmm. being carried out. There's no real discussions because where are they being held? Yeah. yeah. No, it's so true. That also reminded me of the media, yeah. Like, that was the other thing that was really upsetting on Saturday was, like, seeing how there was footage in front of you of, like, EDL members absolutely nutting some policemen. (laughs) And people still somehow trying to defend them. And it was like, well, did this happen in the Black Lives Matter protests in the same city in London? Mm. Do you have any footage of any of the stuff happening? No one had any footage. Mm. But yet they felt Mm. like they needed to defend people. And also, like... I remember like finding out that like a couple of the um, photographs that circulated after the Black Lives Matter protests the week prior, like half of them weren't even from that protest. They were taken as far back as 2016, but were circulating mm. to kind of be like, this is how bad it was. And then you had like video, like a, a video clip that was made by the BBC where they were using footage from the 2014 Black Lives Matter protests in the cut. And you kind mm. of sit there and you're like, first of all, you're like you're straight up lying that's actually that's real fake news that's genuine fake news and you're not even lying to make things better you're lying to create more of this divisive like race Mm. war and now it's it feels like the whole point of it's being deflected to like an us and them type situation yeah absolutely it's like how the one thing i wonder is how do you get people who have that prejudice to see the other side like because I was listening to a podcast, the James O'Brien podcast mm-hmm. for Joe, which I thoroughly recommend. It's really good. And he had David Lammy on. And uh, for those who don't know, David Lammy is a Labour politician. He was a lawyer and his um, law degree was funded by Jewish lawyers in London mm-hmm. because he came um, from a not well-off part of London, lived with his mum and got a scholarship to Peterborough Private School. I can't remember the mm-hmm. name of that school. So he had um, got the golden ticket. Mm-hmm did well through charitable help and um but as a as a young kid he was pulled over by stop and search so stop and search was legal in this country then it was illegal and then it came back again under boris johnson and um james o'brien said i don't think white people will ever understand what that's like being pulled stop and searched Mm -hmm. when you're completely innocent like you were just pulled over because of your color he said what what he's like can you ex- can you explain to people what that's like and he explained it and he said it's basically like the whole street's watching you you yeah. feel humiliated and i was like and, and you kind of feel guilty like, before you feel guilty but you know you're not <laughs> you like feel like yeah. it's like and yeah he said and like but then i was like i'm listening to this podcast because i'm a left-wing middle-class person and that is they found out the demographic of podcasts is 
the liberal intelligentsia. Oh, oh, oh. And I was like, why is... <laughs> yeah, I was like, why is this story not on the news? Like, why are these stories reserved for... The people who want to hear it. restricted mediums? Yeah, it's like, I'm already confirmed. Yeah. I know that that law is disgusting. I'm not the person that needs to hear that. It was it was enlightening, but I'm not the person who really like needs to hear yeah. it. And like, well, the thing is, a lot of the discussion that was starting off after all the George Floyd stuff was, you know, I saw a few people that were being like invited to panels and they were talking about what it meant, especially in the UK. There was a lot of like positive discussion, and then the protests started happening, and I feel like the media in particular, and especially people who kind of don't really want to understand what Black Lives Matter is about were looking for someone to fuck up and then they were like statues got destroyed yeah works and policemen got beat up yeah okay I can focus on that doesn't matter what you're talking about you vandalised you assaulted someone doesn't matter doesn't matter and and it's irritating because part of me is like whoever did this in these protests god damn it like if you hadn't done this we wouldn't we wouldn't have this deflection but then similarly it's like it's frustration and it's a point and I mean, especially in the yeah. States, because I think the protests have been like, because obviously this is about an African-American experience, which I think I cannot comment on. I don't think we can relate to it to the state. I think you have to be there. But um, obviously they had the, they had protests, especially in Minneapolis. Like there were some mm. things that were burnt, weren't they? Like a bank or something. And mm. the same thing happened where people protest. There was some sort of damage and then people didn't focus on what the movement was. It was the damages. It was the, well, mm. you shouldn't be going around destroying stuff, then should you? And it's like, well, have you maybe thought about how that person's feeling or like how this group of people mm. have been feeling collectively and then they're together and have yeah. an opportunity to express it? Yeah, if you feel like the state doesn't give a shit about you, of course this is going to be a natural side effect. Yeah. Like, like why the state hasn't given them a reason to care for it, mm. like, if you've grown up feeling like I'm never going to get healthcare, I'm always going to get pulled over mm-hmm. if it wasn't my fault. Like, yeah. why would you feel like, oh, I owe it to them yeah. to be really nice to their monuments? Yeah, no, I must protect. <laughs> and again, it's like, again, it's like you're, you can be angry, but don't be too angry. Like, again, mm. you've got kind of think about you could be you're protesting for like you're protesting for equality <laughs> for all, all for people to go to notice that there are these there are these problems that we think we didn't have but they exist and we want to try and fix that so and i don't know like it's again it's like do how how many times you have to keep peacefully protesting i'm talking about particularly the states right in this scenario how many times you have to keep Mm. peacefully protesting and it doesn't do anything yeah i think it's like you said it's that people are looking they're selectively looking for something to nitpick at then deliberately not seeing the bigger picture Mm -hmm. they're deliberately for whatever reason not choosing to look at the big picture mm-hmm. or the cause of it they're use. i think when people pick at things like vandalism and stuff they're using it to justify a belief that they're not saying that they wouldn't dare say it's like that like the fact that you said these people are saying this on twitter it's like would they say that in person no. because i wonder like are they quietly racist but would be too yeah wimpy to say it i think people don't realize how racist they are until stuff like this starts happening sometimes I feel like people would have like kind yeah. of views and then stuff like this happens and they're like, whoa, <laughs> you've crossed some sort of weird <laughs> line here that I never knew existed. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I don't know, it's odd. It's, it's been such an exhausting time. I've, I've had both a great time because like there was a period of time when I was like, you know that Michael Jackson gift when he's like eating popcorn? <laughs> yeah. 
that was me like on the twitter comments like oh my god it's off. um and that was and I, I had a great time when i read a lot of stuff and and it and you know it started off kind of like being really interesting and really empowering and like like for example like i um got into a thread where we were talking about like the the, the white default right you know when you think about stuff like mm. flesh-colored tights or like mm. band-aids that are like or plasters that are meant to be like skin colored yeah. like all these kinds of things and i was like i i kind of shared that you know my profession i remember when i was studying dermatology like all the pictures are on like white skin mm. i'm like i don't know how shingles is gonna look like on dark skin it's probably gonna look slightly different yeah or how ringworm's gonna look like because it's typically i know how it typically looks like but it might look different if you're like melanated and i have no idea mm. because i've not seen any pictures <laughs> That's really yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. Like you said, it's not just the big things; it's also the the microaggressiony, the small stuff that adds up collectively to just be like completely shit yeah. that people don't consider. Yeah, but there was like a lot of kind of that really constructive discussion, and then I I feel like since the protests have happened here and in the states, it's like there's none of that kind of interesting conversation anymore. It's mm. kind of like you feel angry and exhausted that people are like still focusing on the fact that people protested i like another like you said that you see this other underside of humanity is i remember glastonbury this sounds like a tangent but like glastonbury (laughs) glastow i really wanted to go to glastow this year Uh, really wanted to go um (laughs) two years apart it's all those hippies giving each other covid and an acid tent (laughs) But like Stormzy famously headlined the Saturday, mm-hmm. I think it was on the pyramid stage. And the opening, there was an opening to a song. I can't remember which song it was. It was um, had this beautiful um, section with two ballerinas doing a dance mm-hmm. and two uh, people of color. And there was a voiceover talking about the name for when black ballerinas had to paint over yeah, their ballet yeah. shoes because they were flesh colored. Yeah. And they still like do. A name. Yeah. yeah. And he said, and the voiceover was saying that there's a company now who st- makes special made mm-hmm. ballerina shoes, but um, it's also an affordability issue yeah. and not everyone can afford no. to buy specially no. made. And I thought Stormzy's thing was brilliant. I felt, again, algorithms, all my friends thought his thing was brilliant. And then people were like, oh, yeah, did you hear there was a massive fuss over his set? And I was like, no. And I was just like, it's just basically you just feel sad, like, like you said, exhausted and sad. Yeah. You're like, Over what? What are you upset about? Do you do ballet? The person probably complaining doesn't even do it. <laughs> yeah. And they probably, it's like, I remember when Jay-Z headlined Glastow <laughs> and I think it was the Gallagher brothers got bent out of shape about it. So this has always yeah. happened. And I remember th- this was like, I think we were in secondary school. Mm. I was like, is your issue Jay-Z or is it something you're not saying? Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I would say that's what I've been finding kind of interesting about now because, like, I follow a lot of black baller. I follow a black ballerina, and she she was sharing about this about how that like she buys these shoes, they're really good shoes, but every time she has to go out, she has to cover them foundation and spray them and hope that the mm. foundation doesn't come off during her performance and they become like mm. flesh colored. And I was like, yeah. how is this? How are you not able to get brown tights or brown ballerina shoes? And yeah. it's weird because it's like, like you said, yeah, there might be the specially made brand, but it's custom made. It's expensive. It's not affordable. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And 
yeah, I, I don't know. So it was, it's, but it's been interesting reading stuff like that. And like my friend was sharing something about Afro-Pakistanis and like, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. So it's really interesting kind of like getting information from people in that discussion. But at least I felt like the last few weekends, it's been like tough because of, because of this whole protesting and vandalism thing and like kind of how it feels like it's deflecting um, mm. a lot. Yeah, I would just say my dudes just you know love each other this is fight the good yeah, fight yeah this is and i'm sure everyone who listens to it agrees with us but like this isn't about remember, asking for extra attention or extra no extra give us extra it's just like acknowledging that things aren't quite on a level playing field and like what can what can we all do to try and like to try and make it more level you know yeah it's this is Another a side note, a pet hate I have fellow like liberal people is I remember I was in Edinburgh once for the fringe doing stand up and I was walking back to a bar with another stand up comic and he said, um, and I was ranting about something. I said, well, I feel like I'm preaching to the converted here. And he said, oh, I have a problem when people say that, you know, there's nothing wrong with preaching to the converted. And I was like, well, you should have a problem with that because that means the discussion isn't getting anywhere. Yeah. Like, occasionally left-wingers will say this, oh, it's not a bad thing, preaching, preaching to the converted. Yeah. I was like, but it is also a bad yeah. thing. Like, it's a good thing, but it's also a very bad thing. Also, like, it means that... Yeah. Sorry, carry on. That, no, I was just saying, it just means that your your message is only reaching mm. those who agree with yeah. you, which is, like we were saying, a, a massive problem. But also, some... This came up quite <laughs> quite recently, actually. I was having a chat with a friend, and it was like... also My point is that also some liberal some liberals and I put air quotes in front of that can also be really not at the same time. So yeah, this is, yeah. And uh, I'll give it a particular example. So um, like a friend had shared something on Instagram and I, and it was like a side by side of like the protests that were happening in the States. There was one which was like, I want my haircut. Mm. I freedom of mm. movement or whatever. And then the bottom protest was like, you know, I can't breathe. It was all the Black Lives Matter stuff. So it was like side by side compared mm. to be like, oh, priority. Mm. It's very interesting. Like people were protesting during COVID, during the COVID um, uh, like mm. lockdown and like what was their priorities of why they were doing it. Uh, this post happened to be like reshared mm. on like a, a vegan um, site, like a vegan page. And yeah. it was hella interesting reading the comments because you'd think as, you know, people who are thinking about like animal welfare and animal equality that their views would be slightly different but i saw loads of people who were like this is meant to be a platform just for vegan food i'm now unfollowing you and <laughs> for fuck's sake. and like this isn't really the right place to be talking about this um I, you've lost a follower like do you know what i mean and you and this is what i mean where it's like okay you could be liberal but you can still be bigoted and like completely <laughs> not be okay yeah. about everything <laughs> it's like when you get those guys that are like i'm a male feminist so they think it gives them carte blanche to do and say yeah. what they want and it's like no you have work to do <laughs> yeah or it's like um i know an asian person or i know a black person my girlfriend is yeah. black and you know like all that kind of stuff you know and then it's like the fact that you have to lead with that is a problem <laughs> Yeah, it's like, what are you trying to qualify? <laughs> you know, your own opinions because of yourself, not because you know someone. But it's the same thing. I think, like, everyone can always do work, you know. And mm. this whole thing is just 
everyone to be aware really isn't it everyone can always do work and yeah so yeah maybe everyone who's listening is liberal and maybe hopefully we've changed some opinions and people have thought about it have you ever this is a random question have you ever seen a like a racist thing happening in front of you and um how does that make you feel (laughs) yes i have um the first was first year of uni Mm. in halls I had some housemates who were not very politically correct. And on two occasions, they made actually a number on countless occasions made remarks about the international students. Right. And treated them differently. Wouldn't talk to them as much. It's It made me feel sorry for the student, the international students. Mm. So those international students ended up becoming my friends. Mm. Anyway, but this was like week one, yeah. it was like freshers week, when you kind of worry about the people you're living with. Mm-hmm. Because I think my feeling was, is if you're saying that about them, what are your other views? Yeah, yeah it was this treating them as other or I'm not going to bother with them. There's no yeah. point. And certain remarks I'm not going to repeat that were not acceptable. Yeah. How did it make me feel? I felt worried like anxious mm-hmm. like bad for the person they who didn't know that these things were being said about them and then anxious about what what other things because to me it just implies they have other questionable yeah. views they're like i have to live with you for a year <laughs> oh, i'm not okay with this like call it out like i'm not a kind of aggressive caller outer. i'll kind of question someone mm-hmm. out of what they're saying like we'll have you talk to them yeah or say something like, well, oh, I was talking to her today. She's really nice. Mm-hmm. I try and go for that approach because I feel like if you confront them, they immediately get defensive mm-hmm. and go, oh, well, fuck you then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a long non-answer. No, no. That's the, I'm trying to think now of like specific events. No, I was just curious about like kind of, kind of that. Because, I mean, there's one off the top of my head, which is really recent, but actually I think I won't talk about it because I need to report it. Uh, but I'll go. Off, I'll tell you off off uh, off mic, um, and then tea. <laughs> go for tea. <laughs> um, um, but like one that pops out of my head, which is like, and I always remember this. I was in college, right, and there was a guy who I don't even remember his name now. I think because I kind of got so annoyed with how he was behaving, I just decided to obliterate him from my memory. Um, there was a guy that I went to college with who I think was a friend of a friend type situation. And this guy used to always talk to me like in a stereotypical way. Like, you know, like when you think of like a black African American woman, like stereotypes, he'd always talk to me like that. And I was sitting there like, I don't know you. (laughs) Like, why are you talking to me like that? And honestly, at first I kind of like laughed up, like awkwardly, like, oh, okay. And then like every single interaction I had with this guy, he talked to me in that way. And then it got to the point where I didn't talk to him. So I was like, you don't talk to me like a person. Like you don't talk to your friends like that. Why are you talking to me in this, in this way? That's such a weird form of racism as well. Yeah. Like that's so obscure. Like what you... Yeah. Like, like oh. Yeah, it was so weird. That's why... 
Did you call him out on it or did you just like... I just kind of like... I th- so it took me a while to notice it. Like he did it the first few times and I was like, and then I was like, does this guy always talk to me in that like kind of accent and stuff? And then yeah. I was like, I'm going to test it. And I just I, like went up to him and he started talking to me in the same way. And I was just like, okay. Um, and he kept doing it, kept doing oh. it. And I was like, I just got to the point where I was like, I didn't want to talk to him. I was like, you're not talking to me like a person. Why? I don't want to talk to you. So I didn't end up talking to him. Mm. Never again. <laughs> Oh, I can now think, I'm trying to, I'm literally racking my brains now for all time. So when it's been like, there's been times where I've inferred from the way, like you said, you can infer it. You're like, oh, these are your beliefs. But when it's been outright or like the way they've referred to a community in a disparaging way is white South Africans that I know. It was, it was more scary because like (laughs) they were a lot older than Mm -hmm. me. And it was the kind of implied racism that I was like, it was so ugly and entrenched. I was like, if I say something, what are they going to say? Yeah. And it was like, and I was in a room with a lot of other people and it was kind of, it was nothing explicit enough that you could kind of like pull them on one specific. It was just the, the way it was inferred. It was like, oh, you have some, there's a whole historical thing I'm yeah. aware with the segregation of communities yeah. in South Africa that I was like, I was, I was like, like you have, again, you, you have an Afrikaans kind of view. <laughs> Literally. And again, it was the same reaction as actually in first year, which is just fear. Yeah. Like, what kind of person are you mm-hmm. kind of thing? Like, I, gen- I genuinely put like a big question mark over people like that because some of the people I do know who have questionable views are quite aggressive people. Mm. There was one guy who I won't name is was aggressive. Like, you know that thing where you tell whip people? Mm-hmm. He used to do that to me and other girls in the flat until it like left marks. Like he was aggressive. And he would be like quite aggressive with people. So it was one of those things that I was like a little bit intimidated like, as well. Like Yeah, I just kind of associate those views with you're actually quite scary. Yeah. I know there's obviously a lot of talk on like changing things and like having more of these types of conversations like how feasible do you think that's going to be going forward do you think a lot of these the the fear stuff is still playing a part and that might still stop people what do you think i think the forum for discussions need to be better Mm -hmm. yeah just like there needs to be more public discussion on race and just things in general like lgbtq where it's not so accusatory it has like i just want the discussion about it to be more mature (laughs) and less name calling and Mm -hmm. like it's very easy i think because i'm aware like i get angry and i just want to go oh you big fucking racist Mm -hmm. or you fucking fascist but that's not going to convince them if i say that to them yeah so I'm guilty of it. I think both sides mm-hmm. are a bit guilty of being name call. I think for change to happen, the conversation needs to be more open and fair. Mm-hmm. But I think like the Jeremy Vine show has to go for so yeah. many reasons. <laughs> One, don't like it. <laughs> and just like news night and things like that and question time, the format needs to change. Yeah. The invigilators need to be better at it. Like, But from like a... There needs to yeah, be... Sorry. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I was just saying, like, but from like a ground level, because this is kind of like structural societal changes, but like from, you know, having, let's say, 
if you were to be in that situation that you're in before where you were house sharing with someone and they were saying these things about international students in the room do you mm. like do you think the fear and stuff of a, of a of um, confronting them would would still be something that would be a problem because that's that's the stuff that people mm. keep talking about right you're seeing it as well right on instagram and people are like mm. you need to be having those uncomfortable conversations and i'm like it's great that you're yeah. saying this on here but this can be really hard for people when i was 18 i think now i'd be more kind of what are you what the fuck are you implying mm. when i was 18 i was so anxious and socially uncomfortable i don't know what i said at the time <laughs> i can't remember but it probably wasn't very forthcoming mm. i think my tactic was to befriend the international students make them feel as comfortable as possible which is what i mm-hmm. did and now they're two very good friends of mine but i don't know it's how easy is that going to be do you think to have those conversations? i think maybe but i'm wondering was i so afraid of that confrontation because the discussions that i'm used to seeing are where people just shout at each other and mm-hmm. nobody changes their mind mm-hmm. Oh, so do you think you felt a bit defeated before? I think I just took this tr- the tactical approach. I think I took it well of the approach of if I befriend the international students, then they're not rounded mm-hmm. on, or they don't they because they felt it. And I remember chatting to them. I remember walking to um, lecture with a Chinese girl who lived with us. She was like, "Does everyone in the flat hate me?" And like I remember just feeling like heartbroken mm-hmm. because. And I was like, no, 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 they don't. I like, I told a white lie, but it made her feel better, and that meant she chatted to people more. And I was like, was that the right thing to do? Mm. But I was, yeah, yeah, it was weird, hard, difficult. Uh, yeah, so that's the, that's the difficult thing because I know there's obviously kind of this big push at the moment of like, this isn't a hashtag. This needs to be like changes. You need to be like challenging people when these things come up and stuff like that. I'm just curious as to like how feasible that would be for people i'm not saying that you should do it. I, I feel like yeah you should really be challenging stuff and it's definitely got me thinking about things that i could be doing more um but i'm just curious just curious about how that would work from that ground level but yeah i have one more question oh, okay. so do you think that there's a whole other so i had um he's a good friend of mine but i think because he lives in london mm-hmm. and is surrounded by liberal people mm-hmm. he didn't realize so i shared a thing on um instagram during blackout tuesday saying stop using all lives matter in conjunction with black lives matter it's very petty and passive aggressive and just listen to people rather than feeling the need to go all over and i was worried when i shared that i was like i hope people don't think i'm anti-equality i'm just trying to say that it's used in the wrong way and then my friend messaged me saying oh it's being used very progressively and i was like but it fucking isn't like i know it isn't i know that people are using it to be petty and and then sure enough other people had messaged me saying oh my god yeah i've seen people in forums saying all lives matter and it's really annoying do you think that there's the other problem of maybe some people don't think it the problem is as bad as it is because they because of Facebook, Instagram, the people they surround themselves yeah. with. Yeah, no, I don't think... Yeah, I think it's one... Maybe they don't know anyone or have had like contact with someone who's kind of had events happening to them so, to understand it. Or they themselves aren't like a minority, so they don't understand it. 
And like, mm. you kind of can't be angry at someone who thinks that when they're like, don't think that it's a problem if you've never had any exposure to it. So I can like empathize yeah. with that part. And also I think it's because people didn't understand it. Like I was very honest, like when this whole black, uh, blackout, um, blackout Tuesday thing came in, like there was a point, not this time around, but a while ago when the Black Lives Matter hashtag was going around and I was like, but isn't it about all lives? Like, and I remember having that view and that was because I didn't understand what that particular hashtag was about. Like, I didn't Mm. get that it was going, yeah, we care about all lives, but we're saying that this thing happened to this particular person and we're going, he was treated this way because he was black. If he'd been any other, like, race or colour, it would have been different. It would have been a different outcome. And we're pointing out that for some reason his life was less valuable. And I didn't know that. And that's why I mm. thought the alternative. So I think for a lot of people, it's that they don't get what the hashtag is. And also it's an ego thing. I think when people are like, yeah. especially if you, if you aren't black and everyone's going, yeah, black lives matter, black lives, blah, 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 and you're sitting there like, but my life? What about my life? Yeah. I'm not black. So well, I- <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> she says looking should have been me <laughs> yeah but i think that's it's an ego thing where people are like but what about me i'm important aren't i are you saying i'm not important and like it ends up becoming, becoming like a bit of like an ego attack for some people i don't know what mm. do you think yeah i think you're right i think it is making that's i think that's what i said i was like stop making it all about you yeah. like just it's the thing of like it's not listening to people mm-hmm. I think when as soon as somebody starts with that, they haven't listened. Like, they've taken it half in, heard the bits that they don't like, and Made then gone up. straight to using. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. We've all been there. But that's what it is. It's all about learning. And it's all about educating each other. And sometimes some people are really hard to educate. And some people will reject what they... what, chal- what they Will reject stuff that they feel like is challenging like them for whatever reason or destroying their own ego or something so there'll be some people you'll try and tell stuff to but they won't accept it but you can't really do anything about it they ultimately have to like want to change don't they but it's definitely been really interesting for a discussion i think this is a broader point in general politically is i was listening to adam curtis who i've mentioned before he's a political documentary Mm -hmm. maker he did a really good podcast with russell brand And he said, the reason we're currently stuck with these reactionary conservative governments is because the left have failed to provide a better option. They haven't, they've gone very regressive and in on themselves and started going back to bygone decades of what left wing means. They haven't come up with any progressive. And he said, the reason that it's hard to sit, you know, come up with something progressive is because change is difficult and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, for politics to change in this country, it's going to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. And people are going to have to ride out that uncomf- that discomfort. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had anyone that sold that to us or come up with a better plan. Yeah. But he said real change takes real yeah. discomfort. And I think that's what people are often reacting yeah. to is doing, I don't want, I don't want to change. this change. To- yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? What will that mean for me? Like, oh, so it won't be as easy for me to get into schools? Nah. It won't be, <laughs> yeah. you know, like all the stuff. Yeah, they- I'll have to start getting stopped and search. No. <laughs> yeah different doesn't mean bad yeah. it means different which is the unpredictable it's like with the covid thing is people don't like unpredictable yeah. yeah totally very true i think i've seen that quote actually going around a few times about like real change takes discomfort and i think but it's not a good enough excuse to not do it 
because you're going to feel uncomfortable for a bit. And I think you're right as well. I feel like a lot of the left kind of like liberal kind of groups, I feel like all are very quick to go, oh, that wasn't good. That's not a good thing. But they have no suggestion mm. of what they would have done instead. Yeah. So should we round this one off? Thank you for listening, everyone, uh, to this uh, bonus edition of The Unexceptionals. Yeah. Uh, we figured in the interim we should produce some um, time-appropriate content. Mm. Here it is. Yes. And the best way to keep up with this time-appropriate content is to follow our social media Ooh. channels. Oh, yes. <laughs> Seamless. That was, that was a transition <laughs> and a half. What social media channels do we have? We have Facebook, we have Instagram, Twitter uh yes isn't it facebook instagram twitter um also the reason you should follow those although we are not weekly all week of the year we do post we sometimes guest on other podcasts Mm. together independently whatever and we will share it on those and you get to hear delicious podcasts by some of our friends across the pond in the north elsewhere it's it's just divine it's great so (laughs) that's why you should follow us. Yeah, you should. Um, you can find our handle, which is at underscore unexceptionals on all of those platforms. And we do have an email address. No one ever really emails. I think if anyone, if anything, people like to DM. But we have an email address. <laughs> it's yep. the unexceptionals. We do, DM, DM us. DM it's us, fire. Uh, it's fire. Uh, our email address is at gmail.com pretty much it thank it? you very much that's it that's it <laughs> stay safe stay at home oh my god stay alert it's coming at you from the walls <laughs> like cleopatra there's a 90s reference wow straight now that's what i call 45 oh my god uh yeah so enjoy it and hopefully um the season will get started very very soon we look forward to you guys listening to it um stay safe yeah see you later Music by Kevin MacLeod.